0: you <laughs> Hello and welcome back to a very special edition of the Last Word on Spurs. As you should know by now guys, you can follow us across a range of different social media platforms. Which include Twitter, at Last Word on Spurs. You can also find us on Facebook and also not forgetting Instagram too. Guys, as you should also be aware now, you can find us across a variety of different audio platforms. They include Audioboom, iTunes, Acast and Podbean on this very special edition of The Last Word on Spurs. I am delighted to be joined first by Jason McGovern. Jason, how are you?
1: All good, mate. All good, and really looking forward to this
0: one. Yeah, really looking forward to it. And certainly last but not least, I am delighted to say also joining us, we are with the author of the magnificent book released this week, Inside Pochettino's Spurs, A Brave New World. Guillaume Balagay joins us. Guillaume, how are you? I'm all right, Ricky. Hello, Jason. Hello, mate. How's things going from you? And I bet it's been a bit of a crazy week for you. Give us an insight into what the last week has been like for you.
2: <laughs> well, once the book came out on uh, on Thursday, there the was a lot of calls. I think that they, they started really for two weeks uh, from the moment that the mail on Sunday, after a little bit of an auction uh, and, and a fight, they managed to get the serialization of the book. They were. Uh, they've been they've been very important to the book. I feel the first week was more general stuff. In, they picked uh, one of, for me, one of the important stories of the book, that trip to Argentina that we can talk about later on. But uh, it didn't create a huge uh, controversial kind of wave. That happened the following week when stuff about Eric Dyer and Walker came out. Which I would say is perhaps the only couple of things that uh, that you can make a controversy out of, even though for me they're not controversial. Mm. But anyway, after that, uh, yeah, it's been nonstop, But there's still things to do, the events to organize. We are doing a uh, an official presentation on the 8th of November with uh, Mauricio and myself, and uh, and that's a bit of a for family and friends really. But uh, it will be streamed live. And, and a few other things uh, I'm planning to do an, two events in London that's all and a couple of book signings but uh, more, more detail on that will be in the web page at some point
0: Fantastic Jase over to you
2: Yeah um, we all
1: know of course you're such a well known and respected journalist who covers Spanish football game. but you was an Espanol fan as a boy what do you remember of, of Pochettino as a player and and how is he still received in Barcelona
2: Still, still an español uh, fan, even as a grown-up. Uh, but it is, uh, for me, uh, the time with Pochettino was such a special time. Before Mauricio, there was there was up and downs with the club, and and you know I was I was part of all that. Of the two, twice we went down um, that I remember. We went to the UEFA Cup final etc and he, he was of course an important part of the of the team as a, as a player uh, he, he represented a lot of values that uh, that I thought espanol were about especially when he became a captain uh, a certain way of behaving uh, respecting the opposition but uh, but being strong against them uh, uh, never giving up that kind of thing but then when I when I started getting to know him clo- uh, close up was when he, he became a, a manager and then uh, I made sure that even though I was between England and Spain, as I have been for the last, well, 27 years, that I, I made sure that I went a lot of times to, uh, to see him train. Uh, that's open to, to everybody uh, generally, or used to be anyway. There were you know there were meals where we sat down and talked a lot about football. I introduced him to people and vice versa. Uh, and I absolutely believed in what he was doing uh, in introducing young players to the to the first team, the way that we approach games. A lot of things that made me fell in love with, with that kind of style, me and everybody else. To such a point, to such a point, and I've told him that, that for me, it's like nobody's good enough now. <laughs> uh, the, the, the Nobody that, you know, it's not about winning. Certainly, it's not just about winning. We didn't win a lot in that period. Well, not as much as, as in other areas, but we actually... Uh, managed to survive a relegation battle when he first arrived, then did really, really well. And at the end, it was so-so. But it wasn't about the results. It was about the way we were doing the whole thing, how we were building a club, an identity. And I think Southampton fans and, and yourselves will, will kind of recognise that when he's involved, there's something else. It's not just football. And and when they give you, when a team, when your club gives you more than football, more than results, then then you just kind of rekindle your love for, for the game. That's, that's what happened to me when he was an Espanol anyway.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you, Guillaume. I think any Tottenham fan now can recognise there's something so special being built at this football club and we're just so pleased to have Maurizio with us. I mean, anyone can see the progression of Spurs like you state stated in the book as well. Just a couple of questions from our perspective, just touching base. Number one, what was the driving force behind the book? Was it in your mind to produce a biography as what we now see as a diary of a season mixed in? with his past football experiences. And number two, there are some genuine concerns amongst Spurs fans of the timing of the book. I mean, there is that argument, obviously, we haven't yet won that first trophy. I mean, I personally think, Guillaume, it's going to come under Maurizio. It's just a matter of time. Give us your insight into both those points, if you don't mind.
2: Interesting, both of them, for, for different reasons. First of all, uh, we are very conservative as fans, and we don't want uh, anything to touch anybody around what, whatever's happened, especially if it's, if it's going well. We don't want anything to change, nothing to change. Mm. Uh, uh, we, won't, we don't want anybody to, um, to offer any kind of insight because, you know, it may just break. And now that it's going so well, just don't get involved. <laughs> that, that's the feeling that I, I've sensed uh, with some, not with the majority, but with some Spurs fans. At the same time, if I'm a Spurs fan right now, I'm even not being a Spurs fan, I'm desperate to find out what's going on. Not so much what's going on every day or... Or why decisions are being made in terms of a of a team or lineup or, or whatever. I want to know how it all works. I am desperate to find out how. I was desperate to find out how it worked with Pep Guardiola. How did he manage to make that amazing Barcelona team? So I went into the inside and and got out a book out of it. I want to know what what takes in the mind of uh, Messi and and Ronaldo. I really, really wanted to know. Well, I, I went into the you know into his circles and and talked to them etc. and I came up with two books. And next, it was like, okay, we've done Rafa Benitez. uh, uh, Season on the Brink was a book on on Rafa Benitez in 2005 after the uh, Champions League final. Um, After that, we were looking for something else to do with Orion and and decided to, as I said, look into Pep Guardiola's uh, way way of working and thinking. Then Messi, then Ronaldo. And after that, it was like, right, what is that out there? And I'm talking about two years ago when, when these kind of conversations first start with the publishers, what person or, or club or, or, or team is out there that would be interesting to write about and that in two years' time still be in a sort, some sort of progression uh, that, that, that could be identified two years ago? And then somebody from Orion said, um, Mark Ruscha, this is who doesn't work there anymore, said, how about Pochettino? He's a Spurs fan and he thought something is happening here. So I he said... Yeah, why not? Why didn't I think of that before? So that was the driving force. Orion, uh, Mark, Alan Simpson, the, uh, the, the the head there, David Luxto, my agent, myself, decided, let's go for Mario Pochettino. Okay. So uh, at that point, then I had to talk to him and said, look, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I've, I've got a contract for two more books with Orion. I would like you to be my next one. And he went like, mm, not so sure. And I think I already mentioned somewhere else that uh, his wife was was crucial. Uh, Karina and himself had said in the past that if a book had to be done at some point and there was possibility of it, that I would write it. And I had <laughs> no idea that that decision had been made. But anyway, uh, Mauricio was like, oh, I don't know. I'm very proud. I don't know. What, what, what can we say? What, what is there you know, to say? And Karina, when he f- she found out about it, she said, you have to do it. You have to do it. And, and when, once that happens, you think, At some point you think, why? Well, first you celebrate. It's like, (laughs) great. I'd rather do it with him than either not do it or do it without him. So, the wise is like, all right, there's a bit of a mystery about Mauricio Pochettino, I feel. Uh, Not everybody knows about him. His language skills uh, block or make difficult to understand what he's about or at least, uh, you know, how really he... Uh, his sense of humor, his his wit, he's uh, very well intelligent if, if if you like. He's really good to listen to. He tells stories, wonderful stories. He's he's funny. He uses the words in a in a clever way, and you don't get that in English, obviously. But how about if if actually I was involved with him for a whole year, uh, and his coaching and stuff, and then we we got a book out there. Now while I was started to do that process, and we agreed to do a a, a book. It was always going to be a biography. That is something that uh, has created confusion. And I'm so happy that that's the case. Because books are not uh, mathematics books. You know, a book, a, a biography is not a, it's not, we're not doing maths. We're not doing science. We don't, we're not doing something that has to be clear, black and white. It's about making people think and introduce them to a world in a different way. So I thought, how about a biography in the first person? Which, you may be wondering what, what that is. Uh, it's, a, it's a genre that's been used in the past. I, Claudius, and Memoirs of Hadrian is a couple of books I mentioned on that, that I love, both of them. And it's an author creating this character, or using historical evidence to create this character, which talks in the first person. Now, neither Hadrian or Claudius wrote that book, but it's wrote in the first person. This is a bit the same. I spoke to so many people related to Mauricio. I spoke to coaches, players, past and present, family members, coaching staff. And what it came out is a mixture of all that. It's his words, but it's also the words of Jesus, of Karina, of Eric Dyer. on that. Joseph Mourinho said on Friday that maybe the author, the ghostwriter, he called me.
0: that.
2: Mm, uh, yeah, I saw that. Interesting. Well, he said he wanted to uh, wanted to earn more money, or you know he doesn't know if the words were from Pochettino because it was all a lie. The Eric Dyer story was told by me to me by Eric Dyer and Mauricio Pochettino. So if he's calling them liars, better tell them to the faces <laughs> because <laughs> that story happened. But of course, you know Mourinho is defending his position; he can say whatever he wants. So he, he calls most people liars and referees liars and fixture organisers liars. <laughs> well, I, I had to answer that anyway. And, uh, and, and I answered it in, in this long uh, process of explaining to you how it all worked, because what I did was to put all that together and create this diary, which of course uh, Mauricio didn't, didn't write as such. But it was all his words, it's all his thinking, even though said by others, perhaps. And eventually, when it was all done, I brought I brought it to him and says, look, this is what I've done. Uh, have a read and see if, if, if it represents you well enough and, and what you think of it. So the only thing that worried him, and this is in the Spanish, of course, then mm-hmm. I had to translate it. The only thing that worried him is the tone. He wanted the tone to be right, that he that he sounded like him. In terms of content, he had no problem. He added to it, in fact. He had no problem at all. So that's what's come out. I don't know if if, if you understand what I'm trying to say, but yes. uh, uh, that, that that's basically the, the, the book that's come out, a biography in the first person.
0: Fantastic. Jace, over to you. And, yeah, and
1: just on that, GM, how, how difficult was it to get Tottenham and, and Daniel Levy to, to come on board with the project? Because as you read through it, as, as you read through the book, you, you're aware that, you know, nothing could have happened that would have been a surprise to them, and I understand the club will sell it in the the official club shop as well. So it's it's definitely got the seal of approval from from Tottenham as a club.
2: Yeah, that that's an interesting process as well, and it reminds me of uh, what happened with the uh, with the Messi book, for instance. When I first when I decided to do a book on Messi, I approached his family, and they all were like, "We're not going to help you. No way, we'll help you." Uh, but through the process and the hard work of two years, at the end, they said, look, we, we, we like it so much that you can call it authorised, um, which I wasn't aiming to, but, you know, it, it's added to it, of course. So, with the Spurs, it was a bit the same. Once everybody realised within the club that Mauricio was behind it, and not only I was able to talk to anybody I, I wanted to talk to, uh, Daniel also decided to sit down with me and, and we spoke at length about, about the whole thing. Once he realized what kind of project it was, uh, it was him uh, on that conversation I had at the end of it, when he said, we'll sell it in the shops. And he's like, uh, I haven't even written it, so I, 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 you may not like it. <laughs> but uh, but no, it's, it's like, I know what you're doing, I know, I know who you are, so so yeah, we'll sell it in the shops. Why do they do that? Do they want to control me? want to Do they want to have a say to what it comes out? But they really didn't. Uh, it was. It was obviously there was uh, once Mauricio had it in his hands. Uh, I'm sure it went through other hands, but it came back uh, practically untouched. Uh, and in fact, uh, there were there were one or two stories that uh, that I wanted to keep in the book because it represented him well. It's not the Dyer's or the Walker story. All the stories, which I'll keep for myself, uh, that represent him well. And and it was suggested perhaps this is too much, too intimate, or and it's like nobody it has to go in, so. <laughs> final word was mine okay. and uh, and with that you know yes uh, I, i'm i'm so happy that, that the club has decided to put it in the shops and the, and that the presentation of the book for families and friends we as i said the 8th of november at the space training ground and daniel will be there and, and and a lot of very important people close to um, Mauricio will be there
0: Yeah, I mean, that just shows you the game, doesn't it? The way the book has been received by both Pochettino and Spurs as a whole. I mean, I know Jason's already read the full book. I think it's a fantastic book in itself. It represents our club. It represents what Pochettino is building at Tottenham. I just want to ask you very quickly, I think, as you may have picked up on as well, naturally, is that obviously the Daily Mail serialised some of the stuff before the book launching, talk obviously the Eric Dyer situation in the summer about Pochettino having to refocus the player and the interest from Manchester United we had the truth come out potentially about Kyle Walker who said my gaffer my heart wasn't here that was in February he ended up getting his move to Manchester City what was what was the club like in terms of in terms of having to divulge that information were they happy with that was Pochettino happy to allow that information to come out in the public, because he always seems to be one of those coaches that loves to keep situations that happen very much in-house.
2: As you can imagine in a book of uh, 300 pages or so, you cannot bring absolutely everything, you have to make choices. And uh, one of the things I wanted to do was to, to go through um, uh, both a process of a player that starts in A but finishes in Z, for whatever reason, what is the journey of that year? And I, fa- I felt the Eric Dyer story uh, and, and his journey last season was fascinating. And by the way, I would say ninety percent of what's in the book Eric Dyer told me about. Okay. Uh, so from that point of view, it was it was a clear demonstration of what um, what the players get out of Pochettino, what Pochettino does to them, and what kind of uh, what kind of um, environment is there at the club. That allows a player to come out from, well, really starting really well, coming with uh, having been with England, even though England didn't do very well. He he raised his profile in that in the European Championships, but then he slowed down, uh, his form went down, uh, quite clearly. <laughs> I didn't know exactly why. Then find out it was about uh, you know Manchester United approach. That confused Eric Dyer, and it's normal. He's young and he had all this pressure all of a sudden. Uh, then there is the incident with Mourinho, which Mourinho denies. <laughs> uh, sorry, I laughed again. Um, and then, and then, how how to how to bring him out of there? Well, a whole week, for instance, amongst other things, a whole week of analysing via videos and conversations, long conversations about where he was physically and what he had to do and blah blah blah, all that. And then the season finishes or is about to finish, and and Eric told me. I wish it lasted six months, because instead of two, because uh, I feel so well now. So I felt it was an interesting process. And in the book, even though in, in the mail it was all put together, in the book it's little bits here and there and everywhere, which, which tries to make it I'm, I'm a, I read a lot of novels, so it's a, it's a kind of literary trick to, to use. In the case of Walker, I, I just felt it was a big enough story to tell, just, just that just that uh, a player wanted to leave, and the story hadn't been told properly. So, I um, I, I, I felt that that had to uh, that had to go in.
0: Okay, fair enough, Jase. Over to you.
2: Yeah, uh,
1: reading through the book, it, it's clear that Tottenham tried to speak to Maurizio when he was at Southampton just before Cortese left, but that, that Daniel refused to to speak to Tottenham. But um, that Maurizio refused to speak to Tottenham at that stage. So, what made him change his mind, and what made him decide that Tottenham was, was to be the right club for him.
2: That, w- that was another thing that needed to be told, that story with Southampton. And that's something that uh, that he hurts him because, as, as I explained in, in the book, uh, he still f- feels, all fans feel that they betrayed him. That's the problem with, with uh, having Pochettino in charge. You fell in love with the whole thing and then he goes and then you feel so bad like you know, girlfriend leaving you—you you don't know why—and uh, and then of course when she comes back and you by accident bump in, in a bar, it's like you're not going to treat her well. You're just going to say, "Why did you do this to me?" So there's a there's a bit of that with with I feel and uh, and I think the Southampton story had not been told properly on purpose because Marita didn't want to say anything on it. But he felt the book was a good opportunity, as he was going to be on his own works, etc., of, of telling the story that he loved Southampton, uh, he loved what happened there, they, what they created there. But he got to a point that he looked around and he was like, players are leaving. Uh, the, the people in charge that brought him, me here are not here anymore. So the, the, the dynamics had changed and the, he, he didn't know exactly where the club was going. Too much uncertainty. At uh, the first approach of Spurs, he wasn't the right timing. The second one, it became a, a better timing, and timing is so important in anybody's life, really. So, so there's no more explanation than that. But, but I can, you know, as I another story that uh, actually one of the coaching staff told me, which again I put it as Mourinho's words. Sorry, Mourinho, <laughs> Pochettino's words. Um, basically, is that that. When in the first few months, when it was difficult to uh, to Marithion to uh, all the coaching staff, there were times where they missed Southampton, and there was this in joke of saying, you know, why did we leave Southampton, uh, being already at Spurs? But it was a, a way of saying, why did we leave that kind of paradise where they were happy and everybody was happy? Obviously, remember in the good times because it wasn't so good at the end. Mm. Uh, but uh, but yes, timing is important, uh, of, of course. Is ambitious, and uh, and you know, with the uncertainty of Spurs, it meant that uh, you know there was a bigger project or a project that was going to become much bigger uh, that 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 interested him and 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 attracted him.
0: Okay, fair enough. Uh, Kim, cut the questions now. So, what do you think was his early impressions of the squad and attitude that he inherited at Tottenham? Do you think it was a more or less difficult job in those early days? And number two, just how big was that turning point? In his time at t- on the two-one win away to Aston Villa, where I think very greatly in the book, you kind of turned around. I think we were losing the game. He kind of turned around to the coaching staff and said, "Lads, pack your bags. I think this
2: is it." Yeah, Birmingham, uh, Friday night. Mm. This is. I think it was a Saturday. Saturday game. Uh, it was like February or something, if I'm not mistaken. It was. It was. It was on. You know, a green hotel, uh, and and they were the day before the game thinking if we don't turn this round if we don't win here uh, I wonder what's going to happen so when, when they went I think one one nil down yeah it was that feeling of right time to go home but that gave him an impulse and sometimes both the uh, recognising a turning point and being brave uh, and taking decisions at that particular point so important both in football and in life so after that victory against Aston Villa that, the, that you got at the end of the game, mm. it was a matter of saying, right, okay, everything we've gone through all these first months where well, we, we're not playing to our best, these players that don't believe in us, these situations that we have to uh, make an impact and we're not doing so, we're hearing too many versions, we're talking to too many people, let's just die with our boots on. Let's just go our way Let's just do it as we think we know we should do it. Let's just follow our instinct, uh, our nose, our, our our experience. Let's get it wrong because we will get it wrong, but it will be because of our decision, not for, because of somebody else's. And let's be brave and let's get, you know, start getting rid of the players that should not be here. So so it, it worked, as, as you always in the case of Pochettino, when, um, you know, every, every problem is seen as a, as a as an obstacle to overcome it's not seen as, as something that brings you down and kills you it's, it's something that he fits from and and finds new ways of of, of trying to do what he did so it, that was a very important game and uh and again another proof of of how they work how they think uh, they were brave at the right time
0: yeah he seems to love that word brave it seems to be the makeup of him as a manager jace over to you
1: yeah, he's, he's gone through a bit, two big stadium moves in his career, with both Sarria at, at Espanyol and White Hart Lane being demolished, and obviously we're now at Wembley, which which has a lot of concerns and hasn't particularly been well received by the supporters. But what's what's his views on Wembley and and the impact on the style of play we needed to play there, and also the the types of players we need to bring into the club? I think you said that many many times,
2: what a, if you're a player, if you're a professional player, what a luxury to play in Wembley. In fact, regularly. Uh, yes, of course the, the, the rival teams that come to Wembley also love to play there and, and they perhaps raise the game. But I, I would say the only real concern is the size of the pitch which is bigger than Spurs and and that determines a little bit what kind of midfielders perhaps you have to have. Midfielders have to run some more. It's it's you know it's something that has to be applied to the training sessions, etc. So uh, that was the only thing. But, but uh, I think it's, I have surprised many, uh, and perhaps even the coaching staff, you know, that the other has have been quicker. Uh, and, and there is not an easy explanation. I don't think anybody has got a, the definitive explanation of why that's happened. But uh, I think that's, that's in the past now. Uh, the, the, the team uh, against Liverpool showed that, uh, that, you know, if they forget where they are, in fact, if they enjoy where they are and the fans do exactly the same, then it becomes a really good day and a, and a, and a really good performance. I was at that game and, uh, you know, I he hear some concerns from vocal fans about Wembley, etc. But I looked around and everybody was having a great time. And this scenario, the stage was absolutely fantastic. And it was a good day. So, it's easy to get to. Uh, it, uh, I thought, you know, next to the underground, not so much walk as as I had to do when I had to go to Whitehall Lane, anyway, that's my experience. Uh, but but yeah, it's 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 a it's a transitional period, and as such, extraordinary th- things happen, like playing for a year at Wembley. Uh, and then, uh, as a, a you know, the recompense of that is that you're all moving into a new house. What an extraordinary historical moment for the club! That's why it's important to keep the momentum going, to keep the feeling of something special being created going. And it's no good, in my eyes anyway, it's no good to spend this year moaning a lot. For me, this year is about all of you getting together and you know, holding your hands. It's like, come on, let's go. Let's go to the end of this season. Let's remember it in the past and let's get into our new home with, the, uh, with expectations still high with 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 the style still defined with the same group of people let's do it all together uh, i know you know it's easier to say than done but a lot of the moaning that takes place is just a bit annoying <laughs> in my eyes
0: yeah i agree and i think the problem is I a lot agree of fans, more. isn't it i mean jace we said before when I mean, on the pod how much of it is more fans than more the players i think that also is a, it's a two way street isn't it jace we've discussed about this a lot of times on the podcast this season
1: well, I've always said the fans have to uh, to buy into it and just just accept that this is one-off special year. But you know, we're now sitting here on on the back of two defeats, and and just, I mean, just look at it—it's as if we're in the—we've we, plunged down the table, and we're we're in, we're a in, club in crisis this week, aren't we? And it, it's just the. Honestly, not the way of fans. Honestly, oh, them, we're, we cannot are, believe it.
0: Guillaume, we are always as Spurs fans. We are as fickle as anything. We are always a game away from a crisis. That is Spurs wrapped up in a nutshell. Unfortunately.
2: Well, can I say? Uh, I think I mentioned it before, but but I'll repeat it again. And you must explain to this to me because uh, uh, I couldn't get it mm. in the semi-finals of the FA Cup uh, against Chelsea. Uh, fifteen, almost fifteen minutes before the end of the game. Including the eight of uh, of extra time, most fans were gone, gone, and yep. uh, and, and it's, this is the semi-finals of the of the FA Cup, which I'm sure you haven't been that often in the last ten years, and uh, and and it's just like, it's like the past is still haunting yep. you hurt. when you've yep. been mm.
1: proposed.
0: We are heard. I think, that's I, think Press- I think
1: as well, Guillaume, on on the day. It's also who you're playing, and um, you know, for me. I go and watch Tottenham and, and that's it. But, but some people see it's Chelsea. There's going to be even more banter come the end of the game. And we had it, didn't we, in in midweek with, with it being West Ham. And mm. it's, it's yeah. like the, the painful defeats at Wembley are coming yeah, from so the, the I'm, clubs I'm, that they most dislike.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm a fan that has lost a lot, either as a Spaniel fan or as a, as a big Israel United fan. <laughs> I lost a lot. Uh, and I'm a stupid fan. But I will be one of the ones staying behind and shouting very, very loud. Absolutely. We're going to be back. Of course. We are going to be back, Chelsea. Be scared. And look at it. It's happening already. You know, this is not so long ago. You are already ahead of Chelsea in so many ways. Mm. So enjoy it now. But you have to be there. I think it may be too harsh to say, but they've got much more right to enjoy the moment now and to have banter with Chelsea and to laugh at Chelsea. Right now, the guys that stayed behind in that semi-final are the ones that left.
0: Okay. I quite agree.
2: I quite, I quite agree. agree.
0: Guillaume, from what we've seen with Pochettino, he seems to be a manager that demands a very high standard in training. Not just of the actual training, but the approach to training. Can you reveal, in terms of what he's looking for, player-wise, when he's looking to bring a player to Tottenham? Can you give us any kind of indication of the kind of player he looks to bring to Spurs?
2: the first thing is uh, is that he's a good person and and even if he is somebody with a, with a, with with a doubtful personal side of it uh, that is something that is in the past it's quite clearly it has to be something like that because uh, there's so many players in the world quality players i know you cannot compete with the top 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 players but then, in that range of, um, of 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 you know the second tier, if you like, of players, there's there's there are selections, there are choices, and the choice will be made first of all be, for the personal side. First of all, because this person has got something, both in terms of uh, you know has got a has got a has got an aura, has got a, a, a drive, has got uh, the kind of things that he he looks for play, for players. The tactic, technical or the tactical side would have been decided already. That's why he would sit with him. Uh, but that would be through the analysis that comes from, uh, from the coaching staff and, uh, and, and, of course, Daniel Levy and, and, and Mauricio himself. But once that's been made, he would say what kind of player he wants. Then the club will generally point out a two or three choices. Uh, then there will be conversations, perhaps. And next, it will be a choice. And the choice will be made, first of all, because this guy is a good person. Uh, the, I'm surprised uh, a little bit that, um, that we don't see more players with pace up front with, with Spurs. But, mm. uh, but, you know, sometimes it's, that is a financial thing. Those guys who are very, very good goal scorers, pacey wingers or people that likes to run behind, uh, but also were very hard without the ball. You know, having said what I said before about the amount of players that are available, there is not so many of, uh, of that calibre. Maybe they haven't found the right one because that's perhaps something that Spare is missing. But uh, in any case, uh, at the end, the, the, the players that arrive is a collective decision. And one of the things that happened last season, one of the most important things that happened last season, is that the synergy between Dani Levy and, uh, and Mauricio Pochettino increased big time Twofolded for because of the trips that they did to Alps and Argentina, especially, where everybody understood, more or less, or at least closely, what what everybody wanted, and, uh, and that's why Daniel told me in the book that he would be happy to you know to keep him for 15 years at the clock. It's
0: fascinating to have. I mean, I'm going to pass it up to Jason in a second, though, again. But it's just incredible to see the relationship those two have got because. If you followed Spurs, like a lot of our listeners do over many, many years, Daniel, there's been a a tendency in the past to maybe have cut managers short at certain times, not giving them the appropriate amount of time. But with Pochettino, he looks like he seems to have found the one he has been craving. And it's such a pleasure to see those two, the relationship they are building. It seems so strong. On that, Mm, um,
2: two defeats at the moment. It could be three against Madrid. whatever.
0: Mm. Yeah.
2: Say it's even four, five defeats in a row. Whatever happens right now, whatever happens right now. One thing that I think the book will help is to make you stop and realize something special is being built. And that goes uh, through the relationship of Daniel Libby, whose vision of football is changing, uh, through Mauricio Pochettino, whose vision of football is changing as well, because he understands more uh, the director level, if you like. Uh, through getting players like Harry Kane, who normally you will sell at the end of the season, who wants to stay. Uh, you know, Hugo Lloris, who, uh, in a few years back, you almost lost. Having him for two years, you almost lost, but he decided to stay with, with Mauricio and now he's at an absolutely crucial part of the team with Harry Wings, debutant uh, with the national side. All those things are part of a process and it's good to sometimes to stop and say, yes, we lost the games. But then put your head up and look around. And (laughs) look around at what's been done and what's been built. Oh, my God. Hmm. You know, the the envy of so many clubs, and I'm talking about some of them who actually win trophies or have won trophies. Because, as I said earlier, for me, it's not just about winning. Uh, I don't know what, you know, is an obsession about winning. That's, That's society today. But if you actually are able to enjoy the journey and feel part of it, and both Daniel and Mauricio want you to be part of it, if you see all that, you are in an envious position of a club that's going to places. There's so many clubs that are stuck or so many clubs that are doing it via money or so many clubs that uh, don't have an identity or so many clubs in which the divorce of fans and, and board is so big that it's not enjoyable. You are part of something special. Enjoy it. Even if it's after at the back of three the feeds.
0: Thank you, Guillaume. We need that kind of therapy. I think we need that. <laughs> Jason, coming <laughs> over to you. One of the things that,
1: that came across, Guillaume, is he's he's obviously an emotional man. There's there's a hell of a lot of hugging of people in the book. And he's also <laughs> seems to come across as a as an expert in, in the body language of people. He wants that positive energy when they even take the training field. And um, there's a, a, a little story I noticed in there that he even looked at the, the eating habits and the speed of eating of, of individual players.
2: You're talking about the lasagna incident? That's right, that's right. So what what it was, was um, uh, they observe everything. They look at everything and everybody, uh, they talk about their sleeping habits when they first arrive. They have to go through, uh, through a kind of kind of verbal test of how the night went etc um, those things are important but then of course players will, will keep things for themselves and uh, and there are other indications that show what what's you know what what's happening with them so if at uh, say the the, the the meeting of the players at 10 a.m uh, if you actually have a lasagna and you have it in 10 minutes <laughs> means that uh, perhaps you didn't eat night before perhaps you uh you, you're very, very hungry and you shouldn't be because that's not the normal habit. So our habits has been changed. Uh, and, and, of course, if you do it uh, just before a game, uh, and, uh, and if you eat it with that rush and you need a lot of food, it may not be the ideal thing to prepare for a game either. So those things count. And, and yes, the, the way a lasagna was eaten uh, determined a, a lineup because it gave them so much information uh, about that particular player. This happens on, on you know, the rondos, the, 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 the boxes, the, the pig in yep. the middle. That, there's so much information out there in that moment. You, you They think, a lot of players think it's just a, a drill to, to, you know, to, to warm up or whatever. And they enjoy it because it's a little bit of competition and, and it allows you to do tricks, whatever. But there's so much in there about who is awake, who is alerted, who is the leader. Uh, who, who uh, you know, what, what's improved the te- uh, technical ability as well. Uh, reaction time, a lot of things in that drill. So, the same with, uh, you talked about coming in and out of training. All, everything gets filmed and in one of the chats he's, he used the faces of the players getting into the uh, training session. Uh, uh, sad, almost like serious, as if they didn't want to be there. And the face, the happy face, when they leave the training session. <laughs> and they were, he was trying to say, it, and it's a theme of the book, and again, it's a theme of, uh, of of so many managers in the Premier League. And I spoke to three of them this week. And the three of them, I, I asked the same thing. And, uh, you know, do you struggle with this? This is passion of the players. Where, where have they left the passion? Why don't they want to go to training? Why is it not a priority for them to, uh, to go to training and enjoy it and then come out really having enjoyed it? Um, it seemed like they, they were happy to just run away from the training sessions. Now, that, that's something that Pochettino is very big on. He's trying to bring back that kid that first started playing football uh, into his players. He started to remind them. He keeps to reminding them, bring me that guy. That's the guy that I want to play for me. And uh, as I said, the other three managers agreed that, I don't know if it's money, pressure, uh, I don't know what it is, but a lot of pressure players that are in the elite, in the Premier League, don't seem to enjoy what they're doing. And, and Pall is down because that passion somehow has has kind of abandoned them. What, one myth about the book,
1: um, Guillaume, that, that I took that, that Pochettino seems to have removed it's this, this feeling that if you if you do something wrong and you cross him once, he, he won't forgive you. You're, there's no going back. But there are a couple of very small parts in the book where, he, he, for instance, he had a, a slight problem with Hugo Lloris that, that festered for a time. and And that was a surprise to me. And yet we were at a stage where I think, as you highlight, Hugo's... Contracts extension was was done and dusted in in the space of a day, and and everything was was so easy to do, and and, and certainly Hugo's
2: respect for him is
1: is enormous.
2: Yeah, that's a good uh, a good example, and perhaps the best example of of uh, of yeah, you can get it wrong, but you can you can you know you can forgive you in a way if if it, if it's worthwhile. And in the case of Hugo, uh, he kept an injury away from from the coaches. And uh, and then eventually, they th- thinking he was going to recover on time, this is in the summer. And uh, and then eventually, he had to admit it and had to apologize for not having told them. The annoying thing for Mauricio and for Tony Jimenez was that he had he the that that problem that situation to them, and it's like, but we are in the same boat. Why mm. would not you tell us? We could actually help you. Uh, and that was the annoying thing because deep down, what that meant is that. Hugo didn't understand what it was being proposed to him, which was, open up, personally and professionally, and we'll get the best out of you because we think we can help you. Uh, the He uh, he used uh, Pochettino uh, a word uh, in an interview I did with him and the coaching staff for my paper, uh, Yes, uh, just before the Madrid game, in which he said, he's at the service of the players. That is aim. He's at the service of the players. That contrasts a lot with other uh, coaches and managers that make it all about themselves, uh, and, and I think, uh, not sure if he was in the back of his mind, uh, a, a way of, of 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 dispelling that myth that managers shouldn't be about themselves. But certainly, by himself, we are the service on, of of players, it's it's it describes his his methods. or he describes his his, his time at spare certainly, or in management. So he was annoyed that Uwe wouldn't say to him, "Look, uh, I did this stupid thing." In the summer, and it feels like it, my my finger's broken or whatever. I haven't checked it. What should I do? Because he w- he will go and say, well, this and this and that, and by the way, perhaps take another week, holidays or something, and recover. Don't <laughs> worry. I didn't. I don't know. Whatever. But he didn't. Anyway, after that, they sorted out the relationship big time, and he's absolutely crucial to what's happening at Spurs right now. Hugo.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's great to see their relationship blossom, Hugo and Maurizio's from very much when he joined the club. You can just see that they're so in tune with each other and always in some of the pictures on the training ground with Lloris and the joking about with Poch and with the trainings, well, the, the coaching staff as well. I mean, it's so much to see, such a family atmosphere at Tottenham. I think that's the big thing what we're seeing is it's such a family feel around the club. And I'm sure, Guillaume for you, you must have felt that as well, going to the training ground, sharing the time with Maurizio what you did. I just want to bring it back to a second to Daniel Levy, Guillaume to ask you because... He does seem to have a very good working relationship with him. I mean, you mentioned there about the fact that he went on holiday. You've had some pictures in the book as well. I mean, it's fascinating to read him how relaxed he actually is, Pochettino, in the last few days of a transfer window. Because as fans, we are an absolute nightmare. We want to sign everyone. Mm. We, we want to sign the world. Give, give us just some yes. insight as to how relaxed they are, both of them, in terms of each other and that relationship during a transfer window.
2: Well, let me say first that wanting uh, to sign anybody or everybody in the last few days of transfer window, uh, on behalf of the fans, uh, suggest that you don't understand what's happening at Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say? Because if, if you think that, uh, you know, Benzema is going to come to Spurs or Isco or whatever, it's, it's not understanding what's happening. I know that uh, the transfer window becomes exciting and it's kind of a joke for fans, but uh, it'd be good to... This book, again, I think it will help for everybody to understand what the situation is and how it works in the inside. Uh, tell me that's something that doesn't help you in terms of, of of behaving as a fan and understanding which club you you're supporting. Uh, but but yes, I mean that in the last two days of the transfer window, the last week almost, there's nothing else to do. There's nothing else to do for Pochettino, so he will be available on the phone. But he's already said everything he had to say, and I think he makes it. This is my my opinion. I think he makes it a stand uh, to just actually go. Because uh, it tends to coincide with international break, go away, uh, rest, mm. you know, uh, take advantage of uh, of the good weather that will normally be around the <laughs> uh, Balearic Islands, and uh, and and just relax because it becomes a really long season. What else can he do? He's already told Daniel and the club what he wants, uh, his preferences. The rest is down to Daniel and and the finances. Uh, it's important that conversations run through, through the year take place, and of course. These, you know, they're very close. The offices are very close, and they they, they see each other regularly, and even travel away, etc. So then, when decisions are made, and when uh, Daniel is negotiating with somebody, he knows also how far he can go because he may be an important player for Pochettino. So it's all it's all interlinked. It's all part of the process. And yes, in the last in the last few days, unlike other managers who perhaps want to get involved right at the last second. Uh, he feels that his job is practically done in, in the last days of the transfer market.
0: Yeah, it's just so opposite to how we feel Guillaume as fans. We're, we're always challenged, we always want to say, well, where's the next player coming in? But it's great to see that relationship there and there's no kind of panic or there's no kind of worry like there is amongst the fan base. Just going to hand back to you. Yeah,
1: one one other thing about the, the current type of season, Guillaume, is his press conference approach seems to have been a, a little bit different this year. Normally, his very calm in his press conferences, and there's there's nothing that that you can really feel the the back pages with. But there has been this year the the little spat with with Conte pre and and just a couple of weeks ago we had the the, the the strong message back to Pep, which which surprised me just how much he got involved in the in the the Harry Kane team comment that Pep made. Is it something that you think he's he's deliberately thinking? Okay, I need to perhaps up the ante in press conferences, or is it just? Just you know, circumstances that that arise out of his control, almost.
2: I think you've been noticed. I think Spurs have been noticed. Uh, I think Spurs is seen now as a as a real enemy, and it's taken a while because it feels like uh, the most consistent team in England mm. has been working under uh and and it was uh, something that's been happening for a while. But people were not asking questions to Spurs, or, or the managers didn't feel that they had to throw darts to Spurs because you know. It's, it's little spares, they're doing well, aren't they? And that's about it. But now it's a real contender. It's a real contender for titles. It's a real contender for for even for the jobs of some of those guys. So so it's normal that on one hand, uh, rival teams feel the need to unsettle somehow uh, spares. and on the other hand, if you feel you've been attacked, if you feel you've been described in the wrong way, well, it's just your time to respond as well because you are not scared, because you are bright, because you just uh, are happy to be at the top of the agenda and at the top of the steps. You're there with everybody else and you're not going to hide. So, so press conferences, I think, reflect, reflect that. I think in, in the last two or three weeks, before, a week before the Real Madrid game, uh, the kind of uh, interviews that he's been given in the Spanish media, uh, the, 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 the book, the, 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 the kind of uh, reaction in the, in the press conference, suggests to me that both as a club and himself, they, they both have gone a, a step up. They are now right at the top of the, the, the steps, as I'm saying, in the centre of the stage with the other guys. And, uh, and that means that the, 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 whatever he says will be noticed. Uh, and and he he cannot keep steps back. Uh, I think he's got to, he's got to show he belongs to this circle and very very uh, small uh, group of, of of people of the of the elite. And the club have to react to that as well, by the way, uh, and fans too. Uh, it is a club that ha- you know the fans have to demand victories, of course, have to understand when they don't come, when those victories don't happen. But the club has to understand that there is more and more interest in the world for the players. Uh, for the manager and that they will be talked about in good and bad ways uh, from now on in, 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 in ways that perhaps hasn't happened in, in, in previous years, which to me, to everybody involved at the club is exciting. But of course, it, it will also mean that uh, both errors and and, and, and and good actions will be highlighted much, much more than ever.
0: Yeah, we talk about the errors and moving forward, game, and I think... As Spurs fans, I mean, he's certainly given the club back the pride in itself that he promised he would from day one. His interview was very clear. He said, I will make you proud of this football club. And he's certainly done that. He's taken the club on great strides domestically. But from your perspective, Gim, how much more improvement does he think we need to make? And how long does he think those final improvements in his mind will take? Do you have any kind of indication on that at all? What
2: well, you've got is a uh, 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 management style that goes day by day and goes, keeps, keeps working, uh, but keeps working, not with the base that, okay, we are here, but I know you can give me 37.5% more. No, it's more like, every day, just give everything you can. And it gets to a point where, it has happened with players, that have been under him, where it's like, right, you cannot give me more. You know that, I know that, I'll give you as many chances as I can, but you cannot give me more. So it's time to move on, and bring somebody else. And that's, the only thing he can do, maximize the potential of what he has. And then push on, keep pushing, to something that everybody wants to get to, to challenge for titles. Then winning it is a different matter because mm-hmm. it depends on so many things, but challenging for titles, you will be, you are, you will be, and a, a a club that will challenge for titles. Of course, there is a new stadium that will be in more financial difficulties at first, but then eventually more possibilities. And that is exciting as well because they, everybody feels part of it. So he helped with the design of, of the changing rooms and, and he's been involved with other things related to the stadium and he will just walk into that pitch one day <laughs> and, and, you know, and and win games there. And, and then more money will be made available because there'll be new television deals and new money through the gates and all that. And all that will be because he's been part of that. Uh, he will challenge himself, challenge everybody else and, and hope—that's uh, the biggest thing—hope that the, his ambi- ambitions are matched by the club. Yeah. So far, so good. Yeah. Uh, now to say where we're going after that, the best of your possibilities, hopefully.
0: Fingers crossed. The journey, as you call it, Gib. Over to you, Jace.
1: That, that stadium is the is the game changer, isn't it? Because you know, I'm sure that that a lot of us would understand the the constraints, the financial constraints he's under. But once that that stadium opens and we've been told that we'll be competitive from that moment on. I think there'll be even more demands on them to say, well, if we can't win a league, that we have to start taking the the cup competitions more seriously.
2: Uh, Well, yes. I mean, that's something I I first heard uh, in 2004-05, that year where uh, Liverpool, with Rafa Benitez and Paco Yestaran, were were challenging for the Champions League but doing not so well in the league. Mm. Uh, I was I was privy to a conversation between both of them in which they were talking about exactly that. What do we do with the cups? And it's the first time where I heard uh, managers explicitly, explicitly saying we cannot compete with everything. We don't have the squad. We don't. We cannot do it. So it gets to a point where they have to prioritize and, and choose. Uh, Is that the best choice for fans? No, fans want to win absolutely everything. (laughs) Uh, Are fans supposed to understand this? Of course they're not supposed to understand this, but there are choices to be made. And you don't have a squad to be aiming for everything. So, uh, you know, there are Cups that could help uh, with the developing of players and the further away you you get, the better. Uh, That first final against Chelsea in the Carling Cup was, was a good step to give everybody a little bit of hope that you're going the right way, no doubt. So it helps for that. I mean, it helped Manchester United last season to win to win the cups they did. So, but is is that the priority? Absolutely not. It will never be. Uh, I think you have you have to stop thinking like a small club. Cups are not a priority. The priority is the league and the Champions League. That's where you want to be. That's where Harry uh, Kane want to be. Mm. That's where Wings want to be. That's where Dele Alli want to be. That's where Pochettino want to be. That's where Daniel Levy wanna be. That's where all of you should want to to, to go. Doesn't mind. You shouldn't, shouldn't care about losing. Yeah, I know it was Worse Ham and, and disappointing the way it came about. But it's the Champions League and it's the league. It's about competing. And to co- be able to compete, you have to give up the the you know the fourth thing and the fifth most favorite thing that he won, which in this case could be the cops.
1: It's also worth noting, isn't it, Kim, that that even a club like, like Manchester United last year. They actually by the the end of the season were prioritizing it, even themselves saying the Europa League gets us that Champions League place. We probably won't get it through the league. So even a club like them actually made a conscious decision to to say, right, it's the Europa League that we're gonna go down and, and not quite to hell with the, the Premier League, but we accept that we'll have to squad rotate and leave players out of, of even Premier League games.
2: Yeah, that was a bit strange though, because it's 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 giving up it's it's Diminishing uh, and affecting the competition, the competitiveness of the Premier League a little bit. But, but yeah, there are some times where 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 those things happen. It was a it was a conscious decision because Manchester United were not good enough to finish the top four. But instead of saying we're not good enough to finish the top four, they're saying we're going to win a cup. We're going to win a you know the Europa League. Clever yeah. message, clever messaging. Uh, what it means, as I said, is that they weren't good enough. But at the same time, it was a step towards where they were wanted to get to. And, uh, and it has worked very well for them. You picked
0: mm-hmm. up, Guillaume, on some of our key players there. You mentioned the likes of Harry Kane. I found there Dele Alli, Christian Eriksen, Son, Hugo Lloris, Tobiad of Vireld, Jan Vertonghen. So many key players to Tottenham. So what I want to ask you is that we often talk about the need to keep the spine of this team together. But what happens if we did take a backward step? What happens if one of those two players uh, do leave? Is he prepared to rebuild again? Or would he seek a new challenge like he done with Southampton where, like you said earlier in the, in, the, in the podcast, you know, he saw players going. He then made that conscious decision to move. Should we be concerned as Spurs fans if we see a couple of players move on this summer? What do you think?
2: If they leave because they feel that the, the, the Spurs are going the wrong way, then be worried. If they leave because, like, Walker, it was a a decision by the club to let him go, then don't be worried. must be reasons behind it. Uh, Obviously, at the time, most people didn't understand or just saw the numbers and thought, yeah, I mean, it was good money. But to let somebody go like that, somebody who played regularly, it has to be something else. So it's good now that people know what it was. And, and without any of the decisions that Daniel Levy and Mauricio Pochettino will take, it will be. It will be. You will have to have faith in in their decisions. Now, if if it becomes a point where it's Ugo leaving, or Harry Kane leaving, then worry, because that means that uh, those two who have absolutely bought the Pochettino philosophy and way of working and thinking, they decide to move on. Well, then that means that uh, that perhaps something is missing. But. At the moment, as I said, I just don't see that happening in, 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 you know, in the in the near future.
0: That's good to hear, James. Back over to you.
1: So, a, a fascinating read, and Absolutely recommend it. Obviously, recommend it to anyone. But now the book is out. What's the next part of the story? I, I, I mean, I f- can't wait to read his thoughts on the the Danny Rose infamous interview <laughs> at, the, at the start of the season. And and do we have to wait to to win a, a, a title before we get that next stage come out? I'd, I'd, I don't know. I mean, I know I
2: have to do a, a paperback version uh, in a year's time, but I don't know if I'm going to add to it. In, you're supposed to, by contrary, you're supposed to add 10,000 words, but but it, this was a book that described a moment, but also a person and a history. And uh, and I, I may just not touch it anymore, so I don't know if the, what the publishers will feel about that. <laughs> But uh, I, I, I demand sure the Danny
1: that. Rose section, DM. Yeah, I <laughs> demand it's, that. It's from not me. just that. I it's want to that.
2: know what he said. <laughs> so. Well, that's okay. Let's go back to that. You want to know. So, you obviously weren't one of the fans that said, uh, oh, you know, if we actually get somebody in the inside or comes out from the inside to tell us, it's a bad thing. You're all desperate to know. We're all desperate <laughs> to know. So, I don't know why people moan about that. But anyway, um, I think the book has been done. Uh, in, in many ways. And, and the next part of the story is the one that you are building and, and Mauritius building and Daniel <laughs> Levy's building is the, the arrival to the new stadium. I'm sure somebody will have to tell that story because, uh, because the process of which I try to give as much detail as possible in the book is a fascinating process.
0: Okay, fair enough. okay guys, so just to finish up we're going to be running a special competition on the last word on Spurs and we're going to allow the man himself, Guillaume to read out the question for you to have a chance to win a signed copy of Guillaume's
2: new book. Guillaume, over to you. Okay, so Karina uh, his wife, Karina Grimaldi does write a very emotional fo- foreword uh, in which he, uh, she describes herself as, uh, as rain the nurtures People and, and him as a as an ocean, a water that takes that, that invades everything. Fascinating. Uh, now, my question will be: How many times in the book, taking away the uh, the foreword, how many times in the book does the word Karina appears?
0: There you go. Fantastic question. So, how many times in the book does Karina appear? Now, guys, what we want you to do? We want you to email. Your answers to our podcast email address, which is lastwordonspurs at outlook.com. So, just to be clear, lastwordonspurs at outlook.com. If you can email your answers to there, Jason very kindly will be selecting one very special winner. Jason, any words from you as we close up?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll be selecting the winner and I've finished counting up the, the
0: number of words. You'll <laughs> 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 have to read it again. <laughs> Reread it. We'll all we'll be rereading the book tonight, Guillaume. Honestly, um, Guillaume, from my perspective, I've got to say I cannot thank you enough. An absolute honour, privilege to have you on our show. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we've we've enjoyed having you on. It's been absolutely phenomenal for us.
2: I have, I have. Every time I talk to a Spurs fans I learn something new. So you you helped me with that. Thank you very much. Oh, you're a top man. And Jason any words from you as we sign out?
1: Yeah, just just best wishes, Guillaume, for big was Wade for the rest of the season, and and yes. hopefully they can they can achieve something, and and Tottenham will be on to a, a double at the end of the
2: season as well. That'd be nice. Let me just quickly, very quickly say, uh, hopefully, at Biggles or United, will be celebrating a promotion at the end of the season. <laughs> but uh, I took eight of uh, our coaches to a spare training ground, and they gave us, uh, Pochettino and his crowd, uh, gave us eight hours of the time oh, looking after that. Fantastic. So well, and not thank him enough for that. Um,
0: that kind of, fantastic. that's a great way to close it. That kind of mirrors the man he is. Just a phenomenal man. We're lucky to have him. Guillaume has given us the opportunity to learn a bit more about Pochettino. Guys, you have to go and get this book. Just for for that question alone, you have to go and get it. Honestly, we can't thank you enough. I hope you enjoy the show. And as always, come on, you Spurs.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.